Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Social Ninjas Podcast. Where your hosts, Kyle and Jeremy, have vulnerable conversations with the most successful entrepreneurs in the world to learn how they created and maintained an optimal mental health while building a thriving business. If you are an entrepreneur in the early stages of building your business who wants to learn techniques, tips, and tricks to improve your mental health to keep you and your business running smoothly, you're in the right spot. Quick disclaimer before starting the show. Kyle, Jeremy, and the guests they bring on the show are not health professionals, and what they say should not be used in place of a replacement of medication or your doctor. Enjoy the show! Well, it makes one of us that got to eat. I didn't eat yet, but I'm going to eat after this. I've got a dinner, so it's good. Beautiful. Hey, Kyle, what are we? We are the Social Ninjas, and we are back. And my name is Kyle. Excuse me, um, audience. That's Jeremy. (laughs) No, that's the audience. Do you guys have a black belt? I'm just wondering. Do you have a black belt? (laughs) Not Um, yet. We're a brown belt. Okay. See, really? (laughs) No, I just meant I was literally wearing a brown belt. That was oh. my dad. <laughs> Why would you wear brown with black? That doesn't make sense. Well, this is my, uh, I got something. I got khaki pants on, like I had a dress shirt on and I threw this on. To oh, okay. I got, it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. It's like the Zoom calls where you're wearing sweatpants on the bottom. and It's only up half that matters, right? Yeah. I'm just, I gotta, I gotta compliment your sweatshirt really quickly, Kyle. Oh, thank you. What does that say? Mental health equals physical health. Mental health equals physical health? Yes, sir. That's incredible. Thank you, Jeremy. You Where can, can I get pick, one of those? You can go pick one up at the socialninjashop.com. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, just, uh, like the one-liner there. It was easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kyle, I forgot to tell you. Uh, I have some news I wanted to share with you. We have a special guest. Yeah. Who is our special guest, Jeremy? Please introduce. Oh, oh, okay. I guess uh, we have a special guest. His name is Jason Waller. What's up, Jay? What up, players? Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> and for the millions and millions of human beings listening to this podcast currently, who is Jason Waller? It's a great question. You want me to tell him or you want to tell him? Yeah, I want want to hear you tell it. Okay, well, Jason Waller, CEO of Power Home Solar, host of True Underdog Podcast, didn't graduate high school, didn't finish college, had a kid in his teens, grew up in the trailer park, throwing gang signs. Now I'm running a billion-dollar company, 1,800 employees, solar on five NFL stadiums. You can see them behind me. Uh, a plus with the BBB. We've been on several TV shows, military makeover, given free solar as well as the two minute drill and uh, just trying to empower people to own their power. Started this podcast that took off uh, top five entrepreneur podcast called true underdog. That's who Jason Waller is. Bam. How about that? Is that quick? Easy. Wow. That was, that was so good. <laughs> you, you say it so much better than I do it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you're, more, you're more practiced at being you apparently. Uh, I've got a few days on it. So, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to dive right in. I heard um, you're homeless. I hear you um, like rags to riches kind of story sounded like. Um, could you take us a little bit into that journey of going, going for doing that, like transformation? That's incredible. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I've always grew up less than middle class. My dad was blue collar, worked at a, a 
factory at, for AT&T. My mom decorated cakes. Um, he bounced around. We, I never had a stable house, meaning we always moved. He always filed bankruptcy, never really bought a home. He rented a lot. Uh, we grew up with a car in Arizona with no air conditioning. He used to call it the 460 AC. We'd go 60 miles an hour and roll down all four windows. That was our AC at 120 degree weather. So maybe the sunshine and the, and the heat did something to me back then, but he transferred to North Carolina and uh, I watched him have an opportunity with a friend who owned video stores where video stores were cool, like back in the blockbuster days. Uh, his friend was a millionaire doing very well and said, hey, Bill, why don't you stay and I'll open you up a sub shop and we can open up your wife a bakery since she decorates cakes and stay. And he was nervous and he wanted to keep his job. He's been at 15 years. And he said, no. And he said, I appreciate it, but I've got two kids with asthma. It's my brother and sister. And, you know, I've got 15 years in, I got to keep my good job. And so we moved to North Carolina, moved into trailer park. I remember that conversation. And I remember as we moved to North Carolina, watching him work third shift and struggle. And then he got, you know, moved over to second shift. And then he would deliver papers in the middle of the night where I would have to help him in the middle of the night, then go to school. I watched him struggle and I always promised myself, he, he played to not lose and I wanted to play to win. And I met my wife at the time, we were boyfriend and girlfriend in high school. And I, woo, that's right, that's right. And, uh, and uh, we met and, uh, you know, I struggled in high school because people would make fun of me for wearing fake Tommy Hill figures because I couldn't afford a car. And then my first car was a $250 Dodge Lancer. I mean, it, it, the acceleration was broke on it. The gears didn't work. Wow. The insulation was falling out. And everybody was very judgmental. You know, where do you where do you live at? You know, I live in South Park. That's a trailer park? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they I there were things I couldn't control that bothered me. And fast forward, you know, I started dating my girl, wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. Her family was the same way. They were like, he lives in a trailer. Why do you want to go to his house? They could stick his feet out of his house and move it. Like they would talk a lot of crap. And all those were things to just motivate me. You know, I wasn't angry. I wasn't bitter. I was motivated. You know, I felt, you know, these are things I can't control. And I'm going to use that as fuel, as a stepping stone to really dig in hard. And I got my first sales job. I was 17 and uh, I was already kicked out of school. Um, and, uh, I started selling home security over the phone and it was like watching Wolf of Wall Street when he gets on the phone and people are like, what the heck did you just do? That's how good I was on the phone. Wow. It was next level. I was making a thousand bucks a week at 17 years old, working part-time selling home security over the phone. Mm -hmm. So things just started to take off from there. I utilized my sales experience to get jobs I probably shouldn't have had and started exploding and making some good money. And then I opened up my own business in 2004 and I struggled. And I remember family, her family, friends, you're not going to do, you didn't even go to school. Why would you do that? And I just felt like, you know, I, I, I get to create my own map. They don't. I mean, I've, I've already made more money than most of them anyways, doing sales with no education. Why can't I do this? And so I built a home security business up out of my master bedroom. My first schedule board was a tile board from a from a uh, you know a shower tile board that you buy at Home Depot for like twelve bucks. That was my scheduling board, and I'd use a sharpie and I'd mark it out, and and I would work it. At the time, I was working at Bell Atlantic slash Verizon Wireless business sales, selling B two B Blackberries, and then at night wow. I would run appointments to sell home security. And so I built that business up to about eighteen million in sales over the next ten years. 
joined another company and partnered in that one, built that up to 38 million in sales. We sold it. We made a little bit of money. And I said, you know what? I'm done with home security. 2015, I opened the solar company. And when I did, the first 22 months, I didn't get a paycheck. And all the money I made from the home security, I stuck into the business. And the nice $2 million house that I've earned over time living on the lake, I had to sell and buy a house for $250,000. And my wife and kids are giving me the stink eye. And they're like, what the hell's going on? I said, I'm all in. And so I stayed the course in Power Home Solar and glad to say, you know, recently we finished our fifth year of business with 1,800 employees, almost 400 million in revenue. We're on pace to do 750 million revenue this year. Um, And, you know, we're continuing to grow. And so, you know, I've won a couple Entrepreneur of the Year awards and, and things like that. So I'm learning. I've got great CEO coaches, but really it's just the story of not taking no for an answer and utilizing a lot of the haters and a lot of my failures as experiences to take it to the next level. Wow, that's that's incredible. I, what sticks out for me really quickly is I heard you say you have some CEO coaches. What are yeah. some the most powerful things you've learned from them? So, you know, patience. You know, I, I never have had patience and I'm learning to try to have patience now. Uh, one of my, my CEO coach, Brian Elias, he taught me, I have to take the emotion out of everything. You know, up to about two years ago, I would be emotional. I'd feel bad. I'd be like, oh, you know, it's it's cool. You know, Jeremy or Kyle that we're buddies and you didn't do your job. It's fine. Like, I got you. Stay, let, let's continue to do this. I had to literally implement KPIs and hold everybody accountable. No, it doesn't matter if you're friend, family, sister, cousin, doesn't matter. If you're not hitting your numbers, you got to go. And I have a rule in my business that I created after almost losing everything in 2016, the 80-20 rule. We, I force everybody to fire 20% of the staff every month if they're not hitting their numbers. And that allows us to grow like this because when you don't do that, then we're like the post office. Like we're just flatlined. We're not growing. But when you're churning the bottom parts and you're adding people to the top, then all of a sudden you start to grow because you've got people that are motivated, excited about a job to, to take it to the next level. So I think coaching is important to, to diversify and learn different aspects that you might be missing. And that, that was one of them. Yeah. So going, going back to motivation, you said, you know, people hate kind of hated on you for growing up in the trailer park and wearing fake Tommy Hill figures. Well, where, where did you get that kind of mindset that you had from, in a pretty early stage of like, you know, that's all stuff that I can't control. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna prove them wrong. Like, did it, was it always like that? Or did you learn that from somewhere? Well, so my dad, you know, my, my dad was kind of abusive, not so bad to like, you know, I was in the hospital, but he was, he was abusive. My parents are better grandparents than they were parents. I will say that. And he was as tough as nails, you know, from Detroit, don't take crap from nobody. And I remember I would get in a lot of fist fights in school. I've never started a fight in my life. And my old man would always tell me, you better never start a fight, but you better finish it. And I would be so scared that if I got in a fight, if I lost, I would go home and get beat up. So I would win. And so I naturally became this fighter that just always won. And so that strong mentality of just being tough and scared to let him down was part of it. The other part was to watch how much he struggled, to watch him accept things and think that he had to be boxed in. You know, here's a man that is strong and, and, and tough as nails and hardworking, but his mind wasn't tough enough to expand to say, I can do better or bigger things. And I would see that. So 
I wanted to be different than that. I didn't want to be boxed in to the limitations. You know, growing up, everybody's like, you got to do great in school and you got to go to college. You got to get a great job. Well, that was so brainwashed that when you didn't finish school, you felt like a loser. And if you didn't go to college, you felt like a loser. And I remember my first few years in business, I was intimidated by people who had college degrees because I felt like I don't have that. They're smarter than me. How am I able to tell them what to do? And it, it took me to get back to my roots to be like, nah, this is my show. And I'm, I'm running this and they're working for me. I've got to take control and get my tough mentality back. But I, I think watching my old man on the goods and the bads really helped me learn that. What would you say to someone who maybe doesn't have that kind of uh, background like you do, and they do take a lot of judgments, you know, personally, how how do you help people kind of change that mindset and say, you know, no matter what, I'm going to prove you wrong. Like, I don't care what you say about me. I, I would say that when, you know, we're beating ourselves up too much, we're our biggest, you know, we're our biggest problem. We put our own obstacles in front of us every time. I'm I'm guilty of it too. And, you know, when the world is talking about you or watching you or paying attention or telling you you can't do something. I believe there's three kinds of people in this world. It, well, I will say there's three categories of people in this world. And we have all been in each category at some time of our life, but where do we live mostly? One is the lovers, the dreamers, the inspirers, the ones who want to go do things, the builders, you know, the motivators. That's category one. We love to see success. We love to create success. We love to value people. We love to tell people you're doing a great job. We're happy for people. That's category one. Category two is the intimidated. And that's a that's most of the people. And those are the people that as you're successful, they'll fall off, not because they're angry, but they're intimidated and ashamed of themselves. They struggle, right? We, we've all been in that situation before. These are like categories of mindset, these three that I have. And then the third is your haters, your complainers, your negative, you owe me something. You're only successful because of this. My failure, your success is my failure. Like, yeah, those are the ones you, but we, I've been in that. I've, I've been a number three before. I've been a number two before. And I live in number one. And one, is where I try to live mostly and try to you know, promote my kids and family and pe- peers and people work for me. You got to stay in one because when you do that, you're around people that, that then, then it's genuine and then you don't have to hear that negativity. But when you get to two, it's easy to beat yourself up and be scared. And when you get to three, it's easy to blame people and, and accuse people or assume that hard work wasn't there. They were lucky. There's no such thing as luck. And so, yeah, I just, I feel like we've all floated around that. And I think to tell people, if you can break that into categories and you can simplify it and you can set small goals, short-term goals, the biggest downfall, I think, all of us have is we have these giant dream goals. And because we all have ADD, we have all this access on our phone to get everything right now that we feel we can't succeed because it's going to be forever till I'm a million dollar business. And even longer than 50 million, you have to look at taking the stairs, like this simple mindset. Well, if I get a little bit here and a little bit here and a little bit here, I like to set a weekly goal, monthly goal, three month goal and a six month goal. I never go past that. People are like, what was it like doing 400 million sales? No, you're not great. You're not excited about it. No, because I was doing 300 million in sales and it just got a little bit better. Well, what was it like doing 300? I was doing 200. Like as long as you don't celebrate too long and you don't set your goals too far, you won't get discouraged. And then when you get those little wins, I always tell people in the category three, get your popcorn. I'm going to put on a show. And as long as you're watching me and I'm watching me, not you, I'm going to succeed. And I think if people can find that mindset that if they're talking about you or they're hating on you, that means you've got something. You've got to utilize that because they're worried about you, not themselves. 
Hello, this is Kyle, your favorite co-host of the Social Ninjas podcast. Don't worry, I won't tell Jeremy. Uh, I just want to share with you all this really awesome mental health app designed specifically for men. So we all know that mental well-being takes practice, it takes strength, and it takes vulnerability, which for us men is sometimes kind of hard. It's not something that we fix, it's something that we honor, and no man needs to do that alone. That's where the Tether app comes into play. It's an area to practice those skills. With the app, you get access to peer programming, content, and a 24-7 support network where you can support other men and be supported yourself. It's not just a place to come when you're having a bad day. It's for every single day, and we celebrate a lot in the app. It's available on the App Store and Google Play Store for free. All you got to do is go check it out, go download it. It is the Tether app, and that's T-E-T-H-R. Go download it right now, then come back to the podcast and listen. I love that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That reminds me of uh, the video that I got on your YouTube channel a few minutes ago, and I, I watched that first one. You were talking about um, how you were talking about how surrounding yourself with people who are building you up and, you know, getting these people who are reaching, I think you used expiration date and getting yeah. those negative people out of your life. Can you tell me what that's done for like your mental health, your mindset? Well, you know, the more successful that you get, the smaller your circle gets, unfortunately, because a lot of people fall to category two and three, and you've just got to find those people in category one to be around. And I don't think success is about money and it's not about job title. Success is filling a void and feeling happy. And there were many times where I had a lot less and I was very happy. And sometimes, you know, even my therapist told me, you know, the more successful you get, the smaller the circle gets, the more chance of you being depressed will happen. Well, I never felt depressed ever in my life till about a year ago. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what is this feeling? I feel like I'm an alien. I feel like I'm an outsider. I feel like I'm struggling to belong. I feel like something's wrong. And my therapist was like, you're depressed. I'm like, what? I'm depressed. My life is good. How am I depressed? I am depressed. You know, your circle gets smaller. A lot of people look at tangible items as their goal. I want the Ferrari. I want the Lambo. I want the house. I've never chased money and I've never chased items. My wife likes nice stuff more than I do. Like, you know, I chase it to make her happy, but I chase success and wins. I I chase that. And sometimes when you win too much, you can get depressed. And I feel like when you're getting a big winning streak, which is great on the outside, internally, I'm not learning. I'm not failing. I'm not struggling. I'm not vulnerable for my friends or family to reach out and build that relationship more. And I think that you alienate yourself and we have to struggle. We have to fail. We have to challenge ourselves. And, you know, I going through depression, I'm feeling a little better now. I mean, I've never dealt with it before. I'm like, this is different. But it's, it happens and it does, it's not one thing. It's a combination of so many things that just make you feel sad. And I'm not like suicidal sad. Like, look, I, I love me some me, right? I, I love me some me, but I get sad where I feel like, oh man, I, I, I want to be happy again. And what I've noticed is I'm trying to pinpoint the happy moments, things that make me happy and do more of that. And I know things that really make me happy is hanging out with my kids. Like when I can do things with my kids and I've got an 18-month-old granddaughter and I see her light up the sky with her smile, 
That makes me happy. That brings me joy. To watch people that work for me buy a home or get you get promoted, that brings me joy. For someone who listens to the show or I inspired and they tell me, a random stranger, those kind of things bring me joy and they're filling my success hole again. It's not about the accolades. It's not about the awards. It's not about the money. And that's why you see so many successful people who are famous and rich, they get depressed because they don't have anything, they don't, they don't have anything challenging them and, and they're winning. They don't have anything pushing them. They got to find an outlet that makes them happy. So I'm curious, like how that conversation happened with your therapist. Um, you're depressed, you're finally depressed, which is amazing. You're, you're, you're sharing that because I feel like the, there's this social media craze of just showing the highlights of our life and we're all happy and let me show only show myself when I'm happy. So like it's so powerful like that you shared that. Um, I'm curious, like what things have helped you snap out of the dep- dep- depression Well, that's a great question. I think my wife grew up with a lot of depression. She had a way worse childhood than I did. And so she's been depressed her whole life. And so I lived with someone who's depressed. And when you live with someone who's depressed and you're really not, you're too busy to be depressed. You're challenged on trying to make them happy. When they start to get happy, that's when the pieces fall. And so I believe everyone should have a therapist, whether you think you're in a great spot or not. It's an outside professional view to just go over things. It makes me feel wonderful. Like it, it allows me to, I don't go in there and complain and then she go, oh, that's what's going on. Nope, she makes me work on me. What could you have done different? How'd that make you feel? What do you want to do? I think that those the items and getting tools to handle things, we're all human beings and the only way we learn is by really failing. And we're going to fail at life. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to get sad. We're going to get angry. We're going to, we have to learn, but we got to have the tools when we learn to adapt and change and and learn and and get better from it. And I think my conversations started with her about, you know, how do I help my wife get happy? And then it's kind of turned over the last 18 months to, oh boy, I'm depressed now. And she just kind of picked up on it. And she was like, I think that's depression. She's like, well, how do you feel? I'm like, I feel like an outsider, like I'm an out-of-body experience and I'm hovering. I'm real quiet. My wife's like, you're weird sometimes. I'm like, "I, I don't mean to be weird. But things just start to add up. And, you know, you're right. Social media, I've got three daughters and a son. And social media is is unhealthy in so many ways for people. They can't handle it. You know, I, I'm not in great shape. I play for a tie. I work out every day. You can't tell because I eat bad. So I play for a tie. I'm not winning and I'm not losing. I'm staying the same. I can accept that. But if I were to stare at some dude with massive muscles and a six pack all day, every day, I might be a little depressed. I don't know. I might be like, man, you know, that's what a lot of, especially a lot of the female generation is stuck doing because they love to see bathing suits. They love to see new outfits. And then they see somebody's all sculpted up and maybe edited or their life's and they get depressed. And I know I've seen that with my daughters. I've seen it with my wife and you know, guys get depressed. They see someone being successful. Look at his jet, look at his car. It just happens. And it's sad because you're right. Nobody's on there to be to be real sometimes and say, I've got issues. I've got things going on. I'm struggling with, and it's the world we live in. And I wish there was a way we could fix that. Um, but, but there's not. I'd like to like piggyback on that question. And that I'm curious uh, if you're open to sharing what your wife does to snap out of her funks when she's going through it. Well, my wife, um, look, when she, when she can walk into a room, she lights up the room, meaning, uh, you know, I might be a, a force and a, and, a, and a big personality, but I can't change the whole room. 
Like I can't, she can. So when she's happy, everybody's happy. When she's down, everybody's down. And I think that being a grandma for her has inspired her to be happy again. And I think that being busy, like we all deal with different things for her to be busy and find things to do and to matter and to, and to, to empower and change things in life that brings her joy rather than just being my wife and taking care of the kids. Like our kids are a little older now, a 10 year old, we have a 22, 17, 13 and 10. So they're a little older and more self-sufficient for me. I have to busy. Doesn't work for me. I have to feel the pain. You know, because I'm making million dollar decisions. I told you, you know, running a few minutes late because I was in a board meeting that carried over. I'm making decisions that impact 1800 lives every single day. And it is hard. You become numb to stuff. You become like a rock. I have no emotion. So for me to get out of it, for me to process something, I have to grieve and feel the pain, unfortunately, to find emotion. For her, she has to stay busy and it goes away. And her biggest key is let me find something busy that that makes me smile a little bit and then get into those moments. And that's what she's done a really good job of, uh, where me, I kind of just... I have to hover. I'm like a lone wolf. I'm like, look, everybody leave me alone. Let me do me and let me get this through my body because I'm dealing with stuff all the time. I need to feel this in order to make a change. That's interesting. Hey, guys are both a little different there. Um, I'm curious because you said, you know, your wife's dealt with depression a lot uh, throughout her whole life and you've been kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum. What do you do to help support her and, you know, yeah, I'm asking for people who are listening, who are in a position where like, you know, they feel pretty all right, but you know, they're living with someone or they have a spouse or a son or whatever. How can they support someone who is in a depressive state or is facing depression? I think a lot of it is don't blame yourself for years. I think I failed at sometimes because I would think it's me. Of course, some of it's me, right? We're married. Living with me is not the best in the world, right? But you know, it, it not blaming myself because then I get resentful. Like, why are you so bad? Like, why are you so negative? What's wrong? Why are you so depressed? When you, I'm a fixer. So when I can't fix things, I get frustrated. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. So I get frustrated. Like, why aren't you feeling better? What, what do we got to do? I think it's taken me so many years and old age and wisdom to finally click and go, oh, I can't, I can't fix you. And so when I let that go and I'm just supportive of her rather than trying to fix her, I think that that was a help. Uh, that was a big change for her. That allowed her to kind of fix herself. And you know, when people are doing things for you, you're not going to do for yourself. And when you have to do things on your own, she's been able to establish different mechanism and tools. Like um, she uses that light therapy stuff, and she loves to go on walks. She loves to sit outside. She loves sunshine. We live in Michigan most of the time. She loves to travel more to the south to see more sun. She loves that. She loves the beaches. She loves water. She loves to involve herself with contractors and do house things. She's find things to to, to matter. Because, you know, part of her depression, not only from her childhood, is the kids go to school. Now, what does she do? She's bored. And looking at social media all day make you depressed. Everybody's got something going on but me. And that was, she's in her own mind. So I give her credit for that. But me being able to help her and support her is really me understanding that 
I can't fix her. I can only help her pick up the pieces as she needs. It's not my job to fix her. I think that was awakening for me and her. And then that made me focus on myself more. How do I fix myself? She can't make me happy. I, I have to make myself happy. Then I can make other people happy. I have to love myself. Then I can love other people. Same thing for her. And so I think as we got older, because we were kids raising kids and we both had our own crap as, as, our, as kids, it allowed us to evolve and, you know, you make mistakes, but you learn from them and, you know, you try to be better for your kids. And, you know, I, I always tell my kids, look, I feel like I'm better than my parents and I need you to be better than me. And so, you know, empowering them to know that I'm going to make mistakes, but you you need to be better than me and set the example for your children, I think is important too. Yeah, I love all that that you just said. I mean, that's basically been my past year. <laughs> yeah, because uh, my my mother in law passed away, so I've been. At, I started out being the fixer, like you said, like how can I fix, or going to that mindset of like, why am I, why am I making her so depressed, and all, all that sort of stuff, and letting go of that fixing up mindset is so freaking hard. But I'm finally at that spot. Uh, over here recently where I'm able to like let that go. Sometimes that fixer creeps up, but just being fully supportive. And then, like you said, and then just focusing on yourself, like what can I do to make myself happy? Cause she's not in the state to be able to really do anything. Like what can I do? What can I improve? So yeah, I, I love that you shared that. That's awesome. Thank you. And I think being, you're welcome. And I think being open with, you know, being around people in category one, you know, I think being around those kind of people, being around people that are positive influence and that truly care, that don't have an agenda. There are people like that out there. I will tell you, North Carolina, I didn't have a lot of friends. You know, I had a lot of people work for me, hung out with people. I didn't have a lot of friends. When I moved to Michigan, we met some really good friends that pick us up when we're down. And those are hard to find. And when you get them, you keep them. And listen, just like as, as a husband or a father or uh, a friend, people want to feel needed sometimes. And, you know, when you go to a friend, oh, I'm struggling with this, you're empowering them to give you something. It actually helps them. And for us fixers out there, we love to do that. But when we can't fix it, we feel like we failed. So it is a balancing act. But sometimes we've got to work on ourselves and be able to talk to outside influence and not be scared or intimidated of what people think. I mean, you don't share the world or social media, all your problems. Although I don't have a problem with being honest on social media. I think it needs to happen a lot more so people can relate. You know, all they do is they put on this fantasy, you know, look what I got. Look where I'm traveling. Look at my body. Right. And, you know, it's got to be more like crap is tough and life is hard. And, you know, we're all in this together. You know, it's, it's got to be more positive. Yes, beautiful. And I, it's so um, pertinent to like my last, like yesterday, I was going through and I was feeling emotions and I didn't want to feel my emotions. And I was like snacking to try to distract myself. And then I, I go to like a weekly men's meeting. And I remember I was like saying all my wins. Like it says so pertinent. Like I'll say all my wins. And then like the person called me out in like a really loving way. He's like, you're saying all these things to try to, you know, build yourself up. Uh, he, he's like, are you like stopping yourself from feeling a certain emotion or anything like that? And I'm like, yeah, I'm having a hard time. <laughs> Yeah, it happens. I just, I I had a lot of sadness and just from my growth and I like just felt the the sadness and it was so uncomfortable, but so freeing and everyone in the group looked at me and they're like, 
I trust you more and I respect you so much more than you, you know, saying any sort of wins or any accolades that you've done in the last week. I think people want real. They want to know they can relate. I, they don't want to know all your success. They, you know, it's cool. I like to win with a group and I like to fail with a group. That's just how I am. You know, I, I, I like to share, you know, we celebrated, uh, you know, my 40th, we took all our friends and took them to Turks and it was, you know, it was, and then we took my family after, but if, if also I'm failing and things are hard, I, we do game night, you know, I share it with my friends. Oh, these are some of the hard things we're going on. I think it's important, you know, to surround yourself with those people that, that can ride the roller coaster of life with you and not judge you. They're hard to find, but when you find them, keep them. So, Jason, one question we like to ask all our guests is if you had the ability to send one message to everybody in the world, what would it be? Don't quit on yourself. Everybody else is going to put roadblocks and they're all going to judge you. Don't quit on yourself. You dictate your day every day. You know, God put us on this earth for you to have your free will and pick what you're going to do. You got to pick what you're going to do. You you get up, you put your pants on, you pick at the pants you want, you know, unless your wife picks them out, you still have to put them on. Then you get in your car and you decide which way you're going to drive. You decide if you're going to go to your job. Maybe you don't like your job, then quit, find a new job. You know, life is too short to only be partially happy. And it's not about who has the most. It's not about who's the most, you know, the richest. It's not about who's in the best shape. It's not about who looks the best. It's about who's the happiest. And in order for you to be happy, find out what those are, but don't quit on your dreams and your goals of what you want to do. Everybody else will do that. Tell them to grab their popcorn and watch, but there's nothing like watching laughter, watching people have fun. That is more contagious and empowering than somebody buying a jet. Awesome. So where can people find you on social media, your podcast, all that stuff? Thank you. Uh, Jason Waller, bam on Instagram, Jason Waller on Facebook. You can go to jasonwaller.com. I have trueunderdog.com for the podcast, iHeart, Spotify, YouTube. And then of course the company, we're always looking for great people to add to our mission. We have a motto at Power Home called bam, build a movement, one panel, one customer, one employee, one vision, and one mission at a time. And so you can go to powerhome.com and check out uh, whether you want to go solar or you want to uh, get a job. Wow. <laughs> Got a lot. Do you, do you practice all that? That's, that's no, I'm, right just, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just on it, baby. I'm on it. <laughs> Bam. Are you a podcaster as well? Oh yeah. God. Sometimes, sometimes. Well, thank you so much for coming thank you on guys. the podcast, brother. Hey, this Jay was Martin. great. Th thank you guys. I appreciate it.